First Chronicles 16 and verse 24. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is also he is to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindred to the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Let's pray. Our Father, bless our time in the word this morning. I don't know what I'm going to say. But may my words be pleasing to you. May they be biblical. And may they bear fruit. And each person gathered here this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. What a great passage came to mind this morning. If we go back a little ways, kind of follow what led up to this song that David is singing here, kind of get the context of it. We're going to read a lot of scripture, I think, this morning. So I want you to understand what's going on here. David, in chapter 13, had planned to move the ark to Jerusalem, the ark of the Lord. And he wanted to do things the right way. David was a godly man. By the way, church, godly men make mistakes. They sin. David sinned, but David was a godly man. His heart was to do the Lord's work. So chapter 13, he plans to move the ark. Of course, we know that they were doing things the wrong way, weren't they? They were given commandments how to move the, the ark, weren't they? On the poles, you weren't to touch it. You know why they couldn't touch it? The Lord dwelt there. The Lord dwelt on the ark and the people were not to touch the presence of God. We're sinners. God is holy. But they put the, cart, the ark on a cart. And as they pushed the cart, what happened? It fell. It fell. And a man named Uzzah, remember Uzzah? He reached out to stabilize the ark, and he died. It's the end of chapter 13. I don't think Uzzah was a bad man. I think he didn't want the ark of God to fall over. I think his intentions were good. Right? We've got to, the Lord dwells on the ark. We must protect the ark. Why did God kill him? The answer is simply this. God had given them instructions on how to move the ark and they didn't do it they didn't do it god doesn't want our best intentions god wants our obedience that's what he wants 
Not our, we saw it. Didn't we see it? Was it, uh, when was it? I forgot who's trans. Days just flow together for me now. A sermon recently, maybe last Sunday night, we talked about, about uh, uh, Saul, right? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Was that last Sunday? Saul had good intentions. I don't think Saul made the defeat of the Amalekites and he goes, you know what? I don't care what God thinks. I'm going to do this anyways. I don't think that was his mindset. I think his mindset was, I know what God said, but man, there's so much good sacrifice here. The Lord's going to appreciate this. I think, so when Samuel comes along, what does Saul say? He's not cagey about it. He's, not, he's just like, hey, Samuel, look at all the great stuff we got for the Lord. And Samuel's like, wait a minute. But God didn't say to do that. I know, but look at the, look at the, look at the, look at the, the flocks and the herds and the cattle. Look, this is prime. This is going to be a great sacrifice. We saved it all for the Lord. And then Samuel's like, those famous words, obedience is better than sacrifice. Does God hate sacrifice? No. Right? God loves sacrifice. At any other time, Saul would have been praised by Samuel. Except this time. Because God wants obedience. He wants sacrifice within the realm of obedience. But he doesn't want sacrifice if we're disobeying. Do you understand that? So what Saul did was wrong. What Uzzah did was wrong. And it's not, it's not just his fault. It's the fault of everybody who was moving the ark. Because they knew what God had commanded. And they didn't do it knowing what God wanted. You and I need to remember something. We're, we are not to approach God any old way. We approach God the way God tells us. That's why I, for, for, I mean, we all know we're, we're, we're all family here today. But somebody watching online may not be a part of our family. So we do church a certain way around here. Don't we? You know why? Because we do what God has commanded. We read the scripture. We preach. We sing songs. We sing psalms. We pray. We fellowship. It's dangerous. That's the problem with these churches today. It's not just the seeker sense. Like We look at that, you and I look at that, and we say, that's nonsense, right? You're not going to win people by being like the world. We know that's true. But their biggest problem is not that they're trying to win people the wrong way. It's that they're doing things in the name of Christ, in the worship of Christ, which Christ has not commanded them to do. He did not command us to style our music according to our desires, did he? I've heard Jason's car radio. We could, we, if we style music according to Jason, it'd be an awesome church. I love Elvis Presley. I'm not going to lie. Since I was like eight, I loved Elvis Presley. His gospel hymns are beautiful. But God has not commanded us, has he, to put on white jumpsuits and shake our hips around the room. No, he hasn't done that. I can listen to Elvis Presley in my car and be perfectly fine. 
but I am not to bring that into the public worship of God. Because God has commanded spiritual songs. I heard, I heard a church the other day, for their worship service, they were playing secular songs. Secular songs. Say, why are you so particular about the way you worship at First Baptist? Because people have died for not worshiping God as he commands to be worshiped. He's serious about what we're doing here. He's serious about what we do in this place. We worship God according to the dictates that God has given us. Right? That's why we... Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against plays. They're wonderful on Broadway. But not in the church of God. Right? I love... I love Christmas. But to show up in a Santa Claus suit with a Christmas tree, that's not what God has commanded. Right? We talked about last night in the car, yesterday in the car on the way back. Max and I have the same philosophy on the church. Keep the decorations as simple as you can. You know why? It's not about what's going on out there. I've been to churches where they decorate the auditorium for fall and winter and Easter and Christmas and 4th of July and there's flags everywhere and red, white, and blue everywhere. I'm not against America. But we're not worshiping America. We're worshiping Christ who transcends America. Right? So I don't think it's wrong to wear red, white, and blue on 4th of July and go and have a picnic with your family. I'm not against it. I'm not against singing... Well, I don't like the national anthem, but sing God Bless America instead. I'm not against those things, but they don't belong in the church, right? We worship God the way. Do you know why worship is so bad in churches today? A low view of God. They don't care what God has said, they think they've learned better. And you know what? I know what God has said, but all the converts we're going to win with this method, God's going to be so happy with us. And they're no different than Saul, who brought all that cattle back and said, boy, God's going to love this. You know what God's going to say to a lot of pastors one day? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is what God wants. And so, chapter 13, he wants to move the ark. Uzzah dies. The ark is left at the end with, uh, with, with Obed-Edom. He's not moved there. Chapter 14. Verse 1, now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messages to David and timber of cedars with masons and carpenters to build him a house. And David perceived the Lord had confirmed him king over Israel, for his kingdom was lifted up on high because of his people uh, Israel. So we're not going to kind of, we're not going to the whole chapter, but David is confirmed as the king over Israel here. David goes out to fight against the Philistines later on in the chapter, has a great victory. Chapter 15. Verse 1, and David made them houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. You know what David cared about? He cared about the word of God. He cared about what God had commanded He cared to do things the way God has intended 
I don't have to go through all the names of the sons and tribes there. Verse 15, the ark is carried to Jerusalem. We're kind of working our way to chapter 16 where we had our reading there. Make sure there's nothing else important to throw in there. Okay. So the ark is carried to Jerusalem. Verse 16, chapter, chapter 16, verse 1. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. By the way, was God upset they did that? No. Sacrifice is okay. Saul's sacrifice was not okay. Let's put it that way. And when David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He dealt to every one of Israel, uh, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of fish and a flagon of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the, the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, and next to him, Zechariah, Jael, and Shimaramoth, that's a big name, and Jehiel, another big name, and Eliab, and Benaniah, and Obed-Edom, and Jael with psalteries, with harps, but Asaph made a sound with cymbals, Benaniah also, and Jehazel, the priest, with trumpets continually before the Ark of the Covenant of God. They bring the ark to Jerusalem. They put it in the house that was built for it. And they got it there God's way, didn't they? Yeah. No more of the cart. No more just of David's bringing order to the house of God. And so they put the tent up and they put the ark in there. And what's the first thing they do? They bless the name of the Lord. They bless the people. And they begin to play music and to sing songs. Worship is about the Lord. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not our likes. It's not our preferences. It's not our styles. We don't do what we do because we like what we do. We do what we do because we feel God has commanded us to do things this way. He's to be approached a certain way. I'm getting to a point here. He's to be approached reverently. And obediently. And we see this, don't we, with David. He's very methodical in these chapters of how he does what he does. You know, David could have killed Saul in that cave that day, and he didn't. You know why? Because that's not how God wanted him to do things. David was not advantageous, David was obedient. If God's going to have me do this, he's going to bring it to me, he's going to do it. By the way, God did kill Saul and give the kingdom to David. And so David brings the worship to Jerusalem. Verse 7. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. This is a tremendous song. Let's go through this. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him with psalms. Unto him talk ye of his wondrous works. Why do we have people give testimony to church this morning? Say, Pastor, that's not commanded. Yes, it is, right there. Tell his wondrous works. Tell what God has done. You know why we have a time Sunday evenings to share testimonies? Because the Bible commands us to tell of his wondrous works. 
That's obedience to God to do that. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he had done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan and the lot of your inheritance. When ye were but few, even a few, and strangers in it, and when they went, went from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Sing unto the Lord all the earth, show forth from day to day his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. The song starts off with a little bit of history of what God had done for Israel. He's reminding them, church, remind yourselves of what God has done. Remind yourselves. Remind your children of what God has done, if you have children. I think we're the only ones here who have children, but still, I'm talking to the, to the camera, too. Someone's watching with children. Should I do one of those uh, Pentecostal things? Somebody out there has children. No, I'm just kidding. Do you know why people fall away besides the obvious they're not really saved? They've forgotten. They've forgotten. They've forgotten the goodness of the Lord. They've forgotten. They served the Lord all the days of Joshua, didn't they? And the people who outlived Joshua. But eventually they forgot. They forgot what God had done in the wilderness. They forgot what God had done in Canaan. They forgot about the parting of the Red Sea. They forgot about the uh, parting of the Jordan. They forgot all the good. That's why throughout the Old Testament we see all the time. Remember, remember, remember. Say it to your kids. Say it in the congregation. Remind the children of Israel the mighty works of the Lord. Do you remember, church? Ephesus forgot. Revelation 2, we talked about it last week, I think it was. Remember they lost their first love? What's the first thing he told, tells them? Remember from what you fall on. Remember. It wasn't even to repent. That was the second thing. The first is remember. Remember those days when you loved me? Remember those days when your service came from the heart? Remember those days when it just flowed out of you? Remember the, the, the relationship that we had? They'd forgotten all about it. I knew a couple once who was on the verge of divorce. This is not a personal story, by the way. She would never divorce me. She dropped me in the river. And, no, I'm just kidding. She's too smart for that. I have life insurance. She's too smart for that. This couple's on the verge of divorce. And uh, went through counseling. They couldn't make any heads or tails of the counseling. And one day, 
for the, they'd wait for their meeting at the courthouse to sign their, whatever, start the process, whatever it was, I don't remember now. And so they went for a walk in the park across from the courthouse. And that walk began to lead to conversation, which led to memories. The couple didn't get divorced. You know why? They remembered. They remembered things they had long forgotten. You don't do anything for me. Oh, remember when this, you did this. Oh, remember when you did this. Oh, you don't talk kindly to me anymore. They remember, oh, remember the sweet things, the sweet notes you used to... They began to remember their relationship. And it mended their relationship. It fixed things. Do you know why Israel struggled so much? They forgot. They forgot. Everything God had done for them. You know why the church is the way the church is today in America? It's we've forgotten. We've forgotten the mighty works of God. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I love my Reformed brothers, but some of them are so stuffy and so... They've forgotten the mighty moves of God. I remember in this revival that came out a couple of months ago. Whether that was good or bad, I'm not here to discuss. But I had brothers, good, Reformed Baptist pastor brothers, who were like, we know the revival is not real because God doesn't do that. God doesn't revive hearts. God doesn't change mass crowds of people. God only works through the Sunday morning preaching and but they've forgotten, haven't they? The Great Awakening. They've forgotten the Jonathan Edwards sermons out in the field where people grabbed onto the pillars lest they fall into hell itself. They've forgotten the mighty works of God. It's led to unbelief in some of them. They don't expect God to do anything. You know why? They've forgotten that he has done something. You know why we fall into sin, church? We fall into sin because we forget. The pit that God rescued us out of. Why would you wallow in that again? Except you've forgotten what happened the last time. I do that with my kids sometimes when they do bad repeatedly. That's right, Dale. Look at you. Make eye contact. There we go. <laughs> and we'll often say, remember the last time this happened? Did it work out for you very well? The last time you had this fit, did you get what you wanted? Remember what happened last time. It led to more punishment, didn't it? It led to more trouble, didn't it? Remember, so you don't do it again. Do you know why we have such a sin problem in our world today among Christians? Two reasons. I believe this wholeheartedly. We've forgotten what God has done for us. And secondly, we have no reverence for who God is or what he said to us. No reverence. Just like Israel. They have no reverence for God. Just throw the ark on the cart. We'll get it there. How about Josiah's re revival in the Bible? Right? That happens after this time. This is future to us still. King Josiah gets the book of the law. He had never read it. The king of Israel had never read the law of God. It was in the temple, lost. You realize that they had not 
had the Passover, when Josiah learned of it, none of Israel had had it, had practiced it. That means the old people and the old, old people among him, how many generations back did it go? They stopped obeying the command of the Lord. And what happened through the generations? It was forgotten. To the point that Josiah never heard of it. What's this Passover we're supposed to do? He didn't even know about it. He didn't know there was a book of the law. They had idols in the temple of God, worshiping alongside Jehovah God. You know why? Not because they were just obstinate, outright rebellious people. They'd forgotten. They'd forgotten who God was. They had forgotten the glorious works of the Lord. What we set out to do this last weekend in Mexico was exactly what verse 24 says. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. If you look back through history, church, you know what you're going to find? Every nation that we meet in Mexico, every person from every nation we meet has had some Christian influence in the past. It's permeated the globe. You understand that, right? There is gospel witness everywhere at one time. At one time, the gospel reached everywhere. What's happened? They've forgotten. To the point that the people that are there now, living there, they don't even know about the gospel influence. And it's getting that way in America, by the way. There's been gospel influence here. Now, we're not a, a Christian nation. Never have been a Christian nation. But we've had Christian influence, which today is going away. And my kids' kids will never have heard of it. You understand that? That's how quickly it goes away. My grandparents were great Christians. Wonderful Christians. The best Christians I've ever met were my grandparents. I try to be a good Christian. I want to mirror for my kids and for those around me what it's like to walk with Christ and to know Christ. But within a very short time, that can be forgotten, can it? If my kids don't follow Christ, my grandparents' legacy is gone. And if their kids don't follow Christ, my legacy is gone. And their kids' kids won't even know there was a Christian heritage in the family. That's why we're to declare. We're to talk about it. We're to share it with one another. We're to preach it to the world, the mighty works of God. Amen. Approach God the way he wants to be approached. Sometimes we get ourselves so comfortable. I understand we're street preachers. You understand. We're not going to get everyone to come to our church. Right? But don't get yourself in the mindset of, well, we just need to give them the gospel and then they can just find... No, no. They need to be taught to find a biblical church. Right? A biblical church. Say, so why do you pass out our tracks if you're out of town sometimes. You know why? Because they can't come to our church out of town. But they get saved, they can call, make contact, 
send an email, and we can point them to a biblical church because we need to let people know that God is to be approached a certain way. Not any old church will do. You understand that? I'm not saying we're better. There are lots of good churches. What I'm saying is we need to seek to be biblical in how we worship God and how we preach Him to the nations. We need to share with one another the good things that God has done. Don't let that die or you'll forget. We're coming up, I just realized the other day, on the church's 80th anniversary. I found the 50th anniversary certificate it's 30 years ago. 80 years the gospel has been preached here. We can't forget what has come before. We cannot forget or we might move. Right? We might move. I've seen churches move. More contemporary. More worldly. Less gospel. More watered down. Skits and fireworks and smoke screens. You know why? Because somewhere they forgot where they were anchored back here. They lost their anchor and they drifted. We need to remember what God has done in our church. We need to remember what has been preached in our church. We cannot let it die. We cannot let it slide away. We cannot forget about it. We must remember, we must teach our children, we must teach our city, we must teach our nation the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why are we to declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations? Because, he's, because great is the Lord, verse 25, for great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. The gods of the people are idols. You realize the people we met this weekend, many of them bow down to actual idols and pray to actual idols of wood and stone. We went there to declare to them that those aren't gods. If you can carry your God with you, he's not a God. If you can buy him with money, he's not a God. He's not a God. He's an idol. Here in America, it's less common. You still have Roman Catholics and those who bow down to statues, but the false gods we worship here are just as false as over there. The God of secularism, humanism, self-fulfillment, self-love, the God of sexual promiscuity, gender fluidity, the God of self-indulgence. These gods are just as false as the idols they bow down to in South America. We need to preach among the heathen. Not self-love, but self-sacrifice. That God has a design. That we're to live in his design. That he has called us to worship him and to worship him his way. That young man Thursday what a blessing. How do you know? Well, here's what the Bible says. How do you know? Well, here's what the Bible says. And he, asked, he asked me, he goes, you're always coming back to what, what the Bible says, but how do we know the Bible is right? It's a good question. 
It's a good question. I told him, I said, well, number one, the Bible is completely, completely accurate. Science, archaeology, history, it's completely reliable. I got into some of the manuscript stuff. I got into the fact that the enemies of the Bible have had it in their hands for 2,000 years and yet have failed to disprove it. He goes, okay, I, I, can, I, can, I can understand that. But how do you know that that's the only way to heaven is Jesus? I said, well, the Bible teaches him back. He goes, okay, back to the Bible. Okay. I said, Young man, you need to figure out is the Bible true? That's your first thing. If it is, follow it, believe it, embrace it. But as I think about that young man, Christian, you and I, we need to address something this morning. I preach, I preach, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, but my wife likes to pick on her. I'll preach on a, on a topic, and then somebody's going to call with a problem that I just preached about, and act as though they have no idea what God has to say about it. I don't know if they're listening or if they're napping, but the unbeliever aside, you and I in this building this morning, we need to decide, do we believe the Bible? Do we believe it's the word of God? Do we believe, do you believe, church? Do you believe Christian? I'm not, I'm not looking for a show of hands. Do you believe God inspired this? Do you believe God wrote this? Do you believe these are the words of God to you? If they are, then we need to believe it. We need to embrace it. We need to live it. We need to teach it to our children. We need to share it among ourselves. We need to proclaim it to the world. The Lord has spoken. I do what I do because I believe the Lord has spoken. I preach what I preach because I believe the Lord has spoken. I live the way I live because I believe the Lord has spoken. I don't want to forget what God has said. I don't want to forget what God has done. Because you know what? The cart won't work. The cart won't work. We can't do our own thing any old way. Has he given commands how to worship? Then we have to worship that way. Has he given commands how to live? Then we have to live that way. Has he given commands for, for this trial or that trial? Yes, he has. Yes, he has. So we're, we're, we're to embrace God in those times and in those trials. This whole chapter, let me read you the rest of the song that David sings here. Where did I stop at? I stopped at uh, 26. Let's do 27. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it, should not, that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let men say among the nations, the Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice and all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the woods sing out in the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. 
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather us together and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. This whole song. Now, I, I, this has not been a very focused message. I apologize. I've been jumping from topic to topic. I think I'm just saying everything I feel the Lord wants me to say at one time. This song calls on us to what? Give the Lord what's due unto his name. To fear before him all the earth. Let the sea roar. The forest trees sing. Creation itself cannot withhold the praises of God. And yet do those praises come across our lips very often? Are we so bogged down Monday through Saturday that we seldom think about God or worship God? The seas are roaring the praises of God. The trees, they move in the wind, are singing his praise. The stars in the heavens, they sing the praises of God. And yet we as people, we've forgotten him. We've forgotten him. We sin, church. We sin. Because we've forgotten the holiness of God. We've forgotten the splendor and the wonder of God. You understand that? Every time you're tempted to sin, open up Isaiah chapter 6 and read it. I dare you to sin. I dare you to sin. Every time you're tempted to lie, read Isaiah chapter 6. You can't read Isaiah chapter 6 and close your Bible and watch pornography. promise you. You can't read Isaiah 6 and go have an affair. You can't read Isaiah 6 and just, you know, I don't feel like going to church today. They go stay home and watch television. You can't. You know why? Because the angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And can we not give him an hour or two on Sunday to do the same thing? Really? Read Isaiah 6. Remind yourself of the beauty and the holiness of our God. It should keep us from sin. It should drive us to worship. It should drive, can you imagine? So my wife, she met the most wonderful man in the whole world one day. It was me. And she went out and she told everybody about this guy. I mean, what a great guy. You guys should meet him. He's handsome and smart and funny. So funny, super funny. She sent letters out to perfect strangers, dropped in businesses, this great man that she had found. Just kidding. She didn't do that. But church, we have found the living and the true God. Strength and glory and majesty are his. That should drive us to announce it to the world. What did the Samaritan woman do? She went back to town. He told me everything I've ever done. Is this not the Christ? And we're over here like, eh. Eh. if I feel like it, I'll go to church. If I feel like it, I'll go to outreach. If I feel like it, I'll make the prayer meeting. 
I don't know. It's been a busy week. I think I'll just stay home, put my feet up, and watch TV. We've lost sight of the holiness of God, the wonder and the splendor of God. Are you tired on Wednesday night? Then come, put your feet up and sit in the presence of God. Nothing will refresh you more. I promise you, Dateline NBC won't make it any better for you. Little House in the Prairie won't refresh you. All but the presence of a holy God. It refreshes the soul. I don't know what this message has been about this morning. I had this verse on my heart when we were singing. I've kind of covered a lot of topics. Didn't have time for my full sermon. But as I thought about that passage, 1 Chronicles 16, 24, declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. I felt instantly convicted. I myself have forgotten some of his marvelous works. How could I preach a God I've forgotten about to them? I've got to remember. And they're only going to know if I tell them. So they remember. I remember. My grandparents, man, they were... My grandmother was very open about all that God had done for our family. I have a long history right up here that when I die, it dies with me. I put some of it to paper. I've written it down. The marvelous things that God has done. And she did that so we wouldn't forget about it. Tell somebody what God has done for you. Share the marvelous way that God brought you out of your sin. Share among the heathen. Share here in the church. We're coming up on 80 years of this church. Some of you guys have been here for 80 years, Earl, talking about you. Some of you have been here. I've been here for almost a year. Some of you have been here for 5, 15, 25. Share with those of us who are coming after what God has done. Here in this place, the miracles that have happened, the lives that have been changed, the gospel that has been preached. Don't let those of us in here forget about it. Because when we forget, we drift. And when we drift, we end up lost, don't we? Remember. Share with your family who's lost what God has done for you. You know what Paul did when he preached most of the time in the Bible? He gave his testimony. Here's what happened to me on the road to Damascus. Here's my background, and here's what God did. See, I don't know what to tell my loved ones. Tell them what happened to you. Share his marvelous works among the heathen. Share what he has done for you personally in your sin. And by the way, when you're tempted to sin, remember, remind yourself, tell yourself the story of your salvation. Don't forget. Because we're so prone to forget. We forget so many things. We're just, we're fallible people. You ever watch the news and you hear about some scandal? And like a year later, it's all forgotten. 
then another scandal happens. You, you know why, why, why they can do that? You know why? Because we forget. The Lord calls us to remember. Remember the sin that you were in. Remember the salvation of God. Remember that moment the light of Christ broke into your heart? Tell people that. Share that with people. Let them know. The Lord reigns. The Lord said marvelously. We sin because we have a low view of God. I've said before, I'm tired of these youth groups that focus on outward conformity. My wife and I saw one the other day, a youth camp, summer camp. What did he preach on? Do you remember what it was? The pastor was praising this evangelist who came in and spent a week teaching the kids basically how to Trying to remember the how to you know, basically it was don't have sex, just how to how to be in purity, how to obey their parents, why they shouldn't hold hands with one another. I'm convinced, and you won't change my mind. If we teach our young people to love Jesus, they're not going to sin. They won't be perfect, but they're not going to go off in this gross immorality because they love Jesus. And that changes you. See, I believe the power of the gospel, that it really has life-changing power. And we should expect that change in a believer. We need to stop this nonsense. We need to stop this garbage about, we we have to get them to conform to to the image of Christ. That'll handle the sin problem. The same thing in the church. Grown-ups are like children. I'm sorry. I love you guys, but... Man, I, I used to... For two years, two different years, I led a team of people at Super Bowl Outreach. Never again. Never again. It's like corralling kindergartners, but they're all six feet tall. Self-willed. Opinionated. They don't listen to instruction. And they're, they're preachers of the gospel. I'd be ashamed of themselves. I became so disgusted by it. I said, I'm... Church, my job is not to get you to obey rules. My job is to love Jesus and to point you to him. He will change your life. But you've got to remember, you've got to remember who God is, who you were, and who God has allowed you to be. Remember. I don't know the point. I I think I'm done. I don't know the point of this message. The gods, the the people, they're nothing. They're idols. There's nothing in this world worth living for, church. Nothing. God made the heavens. We have a God who has spoken to us. He's told us how to get out of our sins. He's told us how to want to be fulfilled in your life. Read it right here. I don't mean self-help garbage. You know, as William Tyndale was being burned to the stake, he was very fulfilled in his life. I know more Christians today who die at 80 years old full of regrets. I do William Tyndale who died in his, what, 30s? No regrets. John Huss, no regrets. 
You want to find fulfillment in life? Pour your life into others, into Christ, into his work, into his church, into each other's lives. You see a brother or sister slipping into sin? Remind them of the sin that God brought them out of. Remind them of who Jesus is. Remind them that he has spoken to us. I just, I fear that we're not much better than atheists in the church today. Do we really believe the Bible? If we do, our lives should reflect that. Do you believe it's not today, church? Do you believe the word of God? If so, tell it to others. Share it. Live it. Embrace it fully. Give your lives to it. That's what David did. David poured his life into God's service. Did he make mistakes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he made mistakes. I'm not saying you won't or I won't. But he was a man after God's own heart. He said, we're not going to move the cart that way or the, the ark that way. We're going to move it the way that God. And men went to get the ark, and David said, uh-uh. Only the Levites are commanded to move the ark. Get the Levites, bring them up. David was zealous that God's work be done God's way. You know why? Because David loved God, first of all. And secondly, he remembered. He remembered Saul. He knew all about that. He remembered Saul's sacrifice rather than his obedience. And David said, uh-uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to do things God's way. Say, Pastor, what's God's way? It's too, too much to read right now, but it's all right here. This is God's way. Give your lives to this. My life to this. Our church, this, this. I mean, we have a constitution and bylaws. You have to legally in the country to have a church. But that's all garbage. This is our constitution and bylaws right here. What does this say? It doesn't matter what the, what the human stuff says. What we preach should come out of here. What we sing should come out of here. How we worship should come out of here. How we live should come out of here. How we work at our jobs should come out of here. How we deal with others should come out of here. How we raise our children should come out of here. If we believe that God has spoken. Do you believe the Bible? It's not a question I should have to ask a church full of people, but I have to. Do you believe it? Do I believe it? If so, if so, then I think we can move on from there. We need to obey it. Embrace it. Worship God. Love God. Tell of his mighty works. I've rambled on too long. Let me leave you with this. Do you believe the Bible? All of it. Every word. Do you believe it came from God? I don't know. Direct this, Lord, as you will. Do you believe it's the word of God? Then why don't you read it? Then why don't you pray it? Then why don't you share it? We all need to repent. That we don't believe like we ought to believe. We don't trust like we ought to trust. I don't believe God like I ought to believe God. 
but I want to believe God like I have to believe God. Does that make sense to you? Church, we can't declare his name among the heathen, among the nations, until we believe it ourselves. Embrace the word of God. Embrace the God of the scripture. He'll keep you from sin. He'll keep you from worldliness. He will keep our church moored to the biblical anchor that we have right now. Don't veer from the word of God. Let's pray. Our Father, I don't know if I made sense. I don't think I did, but I had to share things that were on my heart. Declare your works among all nations. Your marvelous deeds, how quickly we've forgotten. How quickly we forget. How quickly and easily we sin because we forget the pit that you brought us out of. Remind us, God. Remind us not to be oozes. Even a good intention in disobedience to Christ is disobedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Let us never think we've perfected on the Bible. We're improved on the Bible. May your word be enough for us. Lord, help us to believe the Bible. Let it not simply be a a tool. May it not simply be a hobby, a cultural thing. May we take it as the very words of God and read it as such. How could a day go by if God has spoken to me from his throne and I can't know what he said? If God, if Christ were to come down physically to our bedroom every day to talk to us, would we miss that appointment? All but he's spoken. He's spoken in the word. Oh, Lord, may we not substitute other things for the preaching of the Word of God. Here in the pulpit or on the street, may our lives be surrendered to it, obedient to it. Lord, make us the people we need to be. While we glory in missions trips, and there's good reason to share testimony and have Say amen to all that happened this weekend. We glory in our outreaches. We glory in all of our ministries. What good is that if we don't believe and live the Bible? Make us Bible people, Lord. And may we remember your mighty works and preach that to the nations. All the great things that you have done for us, Lord. I'm so burdened that we don't believe. We don't believe like we ought to believe. David's song of praise there came from his heartfelt belief in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was confident. He had reverence. He had a heart that was after yours. May our service 
May our lives and our obedience flow from an inward love of Christ. May we believe the Bible. Bless our offering to come this morning as we dismiss. And Lord, make us a Bible people here. May that be our anchor, our rock, our message, our practice. And may this church be preaching that gospel for another 80 years. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.